Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago on the last day of 2023. And I look to my right, and lo and behold, it's the great one, Doug Tonus. How you doing, oh, brother? Living the dream. You know, we're about to celebrate uh, New Year's Eve. It's a party night. Bulls coming off a win against Philadelphia. Beat them twice this year already, which, man, I, that doesn't feel like something we've probably done in a long time. <laughs> uh, given Joel and Bead Street. But, but we broke that last year, so maybe that's not true. Maybe that was even last year. But yeah, it feeling pretty good. The Bulls have won a lot of games. You know, going back to our last show, uh, you predicted 0-6, I think it was, over this uh, stretch. And uh, <laughs> it was awful. The Bulls, a bit. Bulls yep, beat, beat your expectations by a little bit. You know, they, they've, so, it, you know, it's been fun watching the team, you know, play well and. Uh, yeah, lots of exciting stuff to actually talk about from a basketball perspective instead of a just pure rebuilding perspective. And, I, you know, whatever, that just makes it a, a more fun time to be a Bulls fan than it's it's been at the beginning of the season. You know what's amazing, DT? They're only four games out of the, the uh, sixth spot, three games out of the se- three and a half games out of the seventh spot. They're n- currently number 10, you know, at the playing position, a comfortable well, maybe not comfortable, but one and a half games ahead of the Hawks now. Even despite the issues with Zach Levine, even despite the absence of Vooch, uh, they've won two out of three without Vooch. It's really amazing how some of these other players have really stepped up from Kobe White to Andre Drummond to Io, who I think has been fantastic over the last couple of weeks. What's impressed you most in this stretch of really good basketball? I think it's, what now, nine and four in their last 13? Yeah, something like that. I, I would say, you know, Kobe White, has probably impressed me most. And you didn't mention him, but I think Pat Williams has shown steady incremental improvement. That's, you know, good. He looks like, you know, no we, we talked about a little bit last week. Like, I, I'm not pumping the star bandwagon, but he, he looks like he's developing into a strong contributor on a good team. His level of aggression is a lot better. He's fighting on the glass harder. Like, a lot of the stuff we've been banging on him for for years has been better. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying, like, well, Zach's out, now he can do these things. There's no reason you couldn't have fought hard on defense and for rebounding while Zach was there. Like, come on. Come on, dude. Yeah. But anyway, but he's playing right. better. So I don't want to, not to go back into the past. And, uh, but, yeah, he's playing better. You know, Andre Drummond has stepped up really big, and that isn't a really big surprise to me. I mean, I've said I think him and Vooch are similar caliber players the whole time. You know, the problem really is is not so much – that I think Andre Drummond is better than Vooch. It's just there's now no depth at that position. You know, like if Drummond got hurt, God would be playing Terry Taylor or Pat Williams at center. Like, I don't even know what we'd do. Um, You know, and Drummond will have those days. He gets in foul trouble too. So, you know, there's some risk there without having another center on the roster, which was something we discussed in the offseason. But but overall, yeah, it's been been great uh, watching the team come together and just play with so much more energy and, and passion. The Vooch disciples had their notes ready, you know, for the the one time we had the slip up uh, in the second game uh, when we lost to Indiana. Uh, what they also failed to mention was, you know, after Drummond, it's basically we have G leaguers basically playing that position, and it's 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 a huge difference when you're going from Vooch to Drummond, which is a pretty consistent level of play. To Drummond gets in foul trouble against the Pacers, and suddenly you're going to Terry Taylor at six five or six 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 seven. 200 pounds playing the center position it's it's like a massive drop off so yeah i understand you know vooch does some things well but you, you could just read on twitter all these people 
and just so eager to talk about, oh, he's the hub of the offense. And Drummond's play uh, has been so, so good in two of these three wins. Like, come on. We haven't missed, we haven't missed Vooch. We just yeah. haven't. I mean, when you're getting that kind of play at the center position, he's putting up a 24, 25, you know, rebounds per game, 23 rebounds per game, setting solid picks, being a better rim defender. It, we haven't missed him when he's been out on the floor. Uh, but, you know, we miss him because of the depth issues, m- much more so. Yeah, I mean, really, you think you're missing Vooch's scoring? Like, over the three games, what did Drummond give you? Like, 15, 23, and 9? Are those, like, his three points? Like, in his terrible game, he was, what, like, 16 rebounds and, and 9 points? Like, that was his really bad game? 7 points, sorry. <laughs> 16 rebounds, 7 points. I mean, that's like every other Vooch's bad game, right? Where, like, Vooch every once in a while just gives you, like, yeah, 10 points on 3 of 10 shooting, you know, and then, like, 10 rebounds, and people yell double-double machine. It, or, like, whatever. I, it, Drummond has been fantastic by any stretch. He's been he's in his in three-game mm-hmm. stretch. And you saw, like, the whole, you saw the whole Drummond package across these three games, right? First game, you saw Superstar Drummond. The second game, you saw, like, uh, foul trouble Andre Drummond. And, you know, in the third game, you saw, like, like, pretty good Andre Drummond, but not, like, quite Superstar Drummond, you know. And so he's, you just see in the whole package, the defense looks a lot better with him. And, like, I don't think Drummond's, like, an elite defender, but, like, the defense looks a lot better with him out there. And so, yeah, he, he doesn't give you, like, the passing that Vooch does or the hub of the offense thing. But if you actually designed the offense around Drummond, I, I think it'd be much better. Like, just use him in the pick and roll. Like, he actually creates so much more space than Vooch. People talk about how we have bad spacing with Drummond. Like, no, you got to keep a body on Drummond at all times because he's just going to get so many offensive rebounds. Like, he draws people yeah. off the ball. And, like, Vooch, like, people are like, yeah, Vooch is out on the... The three-point line, no one cares. Like, there's no one cares. Just, yeah, go ahead and shoot it at your 28% out there. <laughs> Make our day, buddy. Like, just keep jacking them up. Like, we don't, they just don't care. So Drummond actually can create a lot of space just because you can't leave him. He can, he can catch lobs. He, he just will just destroy you on offensive glass if you, if you don't keep a body on him. So, you know, I actually think he does a lot to help create space. But we're not used to running the offense you know, away from the center and just having the guards move the ball around so much. So you, you need to run kind of different sets with Andre Drummond. And it's tough to do that in the middle of the season when it's not what you've been practicing for like two and a half years, you know. So uh, there's a little bit of learning curve there. But, I mean, God, he's been fantastic. He has. One of his other faults we was on display, though, yesterday with the uh, three for ten. Yeah, for yeah, for yeah. Nine. Like that's another, that's another issue, and, that, and that's an area where you Clearly, Vooch is oh, better. Oh, for sure, for sure. My, in my bigger issues, like, so in the loss to the Pacers, it was just immediately thrown out, well, we're missing Vooch, that's why we lost. No, the reason that we've, we've lost that game and haven't looked as good recently, to me, is Kobe White shooting 16.7% from the three-point line on high volume. He's been terrible for the last three to four games from the three-point line. I feel fortunate that we have two out of three wins because... He was the primary reason his incredible three-point shooting for that long stretch of time that he single-handedly dragged us into a modern NBA offense. And all of a sudden, when you're missing shots at that rate, and obviously part of it's probably due to the NBA kind of reacting to that hot stretch and trying to be more aggressive in defending that that shot. But, man, does he have to get back to where at least respectability there. You know, like 
I thought he had a great game last night outside the three-point shooting where he was one of five. I thought everything else was fantastic. He's taking the ball and finishing at the rim at a level I didn't expect to see so far. But, man, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, he went from just <laughs> top three in the league to what is this, you know, we, <laughs> for the last three yeah. games from the three-point line. We talked about that a little bit. What's we you? talked about it a little bit, I think, on maybe the last show of the show before, of, like, we've seen Kobe on these amazing heaters from three before. And, you know, no one is going to consistently shoot 50, 60% from three, which was what he was doing. I think it was like 60% over like 10 games. Like, just no one's going to do that. You know, like, you know you're going to come down to earth eventually. You don't expect, I think, to go from 60% to like, I don't know what he is over the last, like, this bad stretch. But, I mean, it's, it's got to be like something like 15% over like five or six games or something, you know, since he's kind of come down to earth. Like, mm-hmm. that pendulum swung really wildly. Uh, and that's maybe a bigger swing than you'd expect. But you knew he wasn't going to stay at that crazy rate. You knew the NBA, like, now they're just sending waves of guys at him. Like, the defensive attention he's getting is totally different than what he's seen. And we talked kind of like, yeah, he's going to have to make some adjustments. The defense is now going to see him on film. They're going to be looking for him. They see he's the reason the Bulls are winning. And, and now he, kind of like Zach Levine, it, to bring us back to Zach for a second, people talked about Zach like, oh, he's so terrible, blah, blah, blah. Like Kobe came in and did everything Zach could do. No, Kobe came in with like people not thinking about him at all and then put up a lot of big numbers. Like people been game planning for Zach Levine for like three years. And now after like 10 games, you see right. people starting to be like, oh, yeah, we got to watch this Kobe White kid. And, you know, now Kobe's got to like readjust. And Zach's already done that. You know, Zach's used to facing double and triple teams. And sometimes he does Zach-like stuff and is turning the ball over and whatever. But you've seen that out of Kobe now. Now Kobe's not just killing everything. You know, it's really tough when, when people are sending waves of guys at you versus when they're not, right? It's just a totally different thing. So... Yeah, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm still thrilled. I think you made great points about Kobe's the rest of his game outside of shooting has still been really strong. You see improvements. You know, I love what I see out of Kobe White still. Great, great signing this offseason to get him on that deal. You know, it turns out he's he's had con- continued growth, so that's been really positive. But yeah, there's gonna be some bumps as Kobe now. He has to now make adjustments to the adjustments coming at him. That's exactly right. And that's something I think we underestimate a little bit. And I always scratch my head when I heard people saying how we got to move DeMar to get Patrick Williams more opportunities to succeed. And I think it's a it's a point that needs to be understood by the fan base a little better, especially from the crowd who assumes that, oh, well, you know, DeMar DeRozan's keeping Patrick Williams from succeeding. we got to move DeMar. DeMar is a, one of the players on this team who consistently draws double teams. That's an opportunity for everybody else on the court to step up and, and do their job. Yes, you're going to get more opportunities, you know, to shoot and more opportunities if DeMar's off the team, but you're also losing that defensive attention DeMar's going to attract the best defender almost every game. When he's gone, well, then someone else is going to get that good defender. And that's where, you know, I think we've seen that here, that Kobe is starting to get the best defender on these teams. They're game planning, like you said, for him. And that's the same with Patrick Williams. Like, he's had a really nice stretch. I'm really excited about the way he's playing. He's clearly improving. He's clearly growing. I definitely feel like I personally need to raise his ceiling on where it could be if he's going to play this aggressive. But also, too, like you can't look at it and say, well, if we move to Mar, it's suddenly going to be good for Patrick. No, no, not necessarily. Like that could mean that he could get the better defender. That could mean, and it, that's going to ho- cause a whole, you know, a whole nother growth, growth curve. But for Patrick Williams, if he keeps on shooting the three at this level, I mean, 
that's all it's going to open up so many opportunities and i think his whole game is kind of centered on that which is good to have in this day and age of the nba but if you keep on hitting like a 40 to 50 percent rate like he's been for the consistently for the last five six seven games you're going to see a lot more opportunities for straight line drives to attack the rim i still think he needs to get better at finishing at the rim i think that's a huge issue like i don't think he finishes very well at all but as far as hitting the three and hitting those open threes, you can't. I think he's been absolutely fantastic for the last, you know, seven to ten games or so. Yeah, the shooting we've always said with Pat, he has all the makings to be a really high level role player because he's got a great shooting and versatile defender who could, you know, in in theory could defend probably four or five positions on the floor, you know, at a good level. And if you could do those two things, like your floor is probably a twenty million dollar player. And so at the start of this season, he wasn't doing the shooting or the defense. And now he's doing both, uh, you know, a lot better. Still some defensive lapses, but a lot better. And people have said, like, was Zach gone? Like, oh, he's playing so much better. And, like, as a case to, like, get him more or whatever. I don't know that that's really true. Like, really all that's happened is he's shooting the ball better. He's taking about mm-hmm. three, Agreed. maybe four more shots a game on average now. And part of that is probably confidence because he's shooting the ball better, so he's more willing to shoot. But, you know, like Zach, when Zach left, it was like, what, like 17, 20 shots a game became open to other players? And, you know, Pat absorbed three of those? You know, it's not like losing a whole ton of volume. Pat just jumped in and filled this void, you know, and became this super aggressive offensive player. Like one of the primary on-ball guys is gone. You know, he's not come in and then been like, yeah, now I'm going to shoot 17 times a game or 18 times a game. So I don't think like Ruving Demar is really going to help him with that. Like there's shots available now, like 17 shots just open up. Why didn't you grab six of them? You know, like if you were next in line, like Kobe grabbed a bunch of them, right? But if you were next in line, you should have grabbed more than 20% of them, right? Like, I mean, there's, so yeah, he, he really hasn't with a lot more shots available, it just became available. He didn't really start filling in the void. And with Vooch gone, even more shots became available. And, you know, over the last three games, he's still averaging 11 shots a game. So it's not like he came in and filled this great void with Vooch and Zach gone and started, like, shooting a whole ton more, which, again, to me, is just gets back to the fact that, like, he doesn't really have a lot of shot creation skills in his bag yet. And that doesn't matter for him being a really good player. You know, like I, like I said, I think he can be a really good player, a guy who can defend four or five positions on the floor and then and shoot open threes at this really high level and then, you know, also be solid in transition and, and not really kill you in any way. Like the floor of that guy is $20 million a year. And, you know, like that ceiling is, is pretty high on that. So, you know, he, he's yes, got, definitely got yes. a really good role, a very, very high floor in the league if he continues to shoot like this, a very high floor. I still don't know that I see the ceiling better than like the fourth best guy in a championship team. Third best guy if your first two are like Kobe and Shaq or Jordan and Pippen. You know, or like your first two are, yeah, you know, really true superstar top ten guys. But, but otherwise, I don't, I don't see him as being that offensive creator type piece yet. I've, I've not seen still a whole ton of growth in there, a little bit, but not, not a whole ton uh, to say. You know, that's going to get better. We have seen some drives in the mid range pull ups, a um, couple drives to the rim where he's finished a little better. But yeah, you know, nothing, nothing in volume and nothing super creative for me yet there. Just his ability, though, to hit the three at a high level, there's huge value in that. Yeah. Huge value. And it keeps on getting better. He's only 22, so, like, I'm starting to question, where is his ceiling? 
as a three-point shooter. Can be can he be a top five in the league three-point shooter? I know his release is a little slow. I think he's gotten a little better on that this year. I feel like he's shooting it a little quicker. Um, the, the area that I thought he's improved a lot, especially in the last 10 games, just and I've been harping on it his whole career, just attack the rim off ball for boards. Like last night there was a play that Drummond just did a great job just keeping the ball alive. It bounced around a few places, and he was just underneath the rim to corral the loose ball and dunk it. There's been way too many times early in his career where he's not even around the rim. He's not even attacking the rim to get in position for those type of plays. He's just jogging back. And that's kind of starting to change. So, yeah, I think we're both, you and I both are have probably changed the ceiling level for him because I think if you talked to us three or four weeks ago, we felt like his ceiling was probably, you know, barely a starter, you know, role player type of player. But now it's clearly, I agree with what you just said. Potentially, if it's Kobe and Shaq, third best player in a championship team. I don't think he's going to be like an alpha A or B, yeah. though, Batman or Robin, you know? Can I just point out that, you know, with his super aggressive rebounding, he's averaging under three rebounds a game for the last four games. So just, just you know, like, <laughs> I know that, like it's not like... In, in fairness to fairness to, Patrick, yeah, fairness to, in fairness to you and your, your yeah. thing, like, like he's had some better rebound games and he's, he's like had some like quality rebounds, but like he's not had 10 rebounds all year yet. He had nine once. Yeah, that, that is and, a little I don't think he's ever going to be a great, yeah, yeah. great and, rebounder. And maybe that's fine. But, but I will say. super elite rebounders at center. And so to be fair to Pat, yeah. like that does take some of the rebounding off the table when you have just incredibly elite rebounding at center. Um, it's, it's, yeah, when you have Andre Drum yeah. next to you, who's literally eating every, every rebound. You're not going to get many. Almost. We I mean, feel better. Insane. I think maybe a good way to state it is visually watching him. We feel better about his rebounding and his effort and his awareness, even if it isn't showing up in the stats. Maybe does that seem like a fair statement? Yeah. Last thing I got to say, though, too, five starters, all in double figures. Williams with 13, Drummond with 15, Caruso with 14. Caruso specifically had a fantastic night yesterday. Again, his trade value is probably through the roof. The Rosen and Kobe White. I'm curious to hear your opinion now. Has this, like, improved play of late changed your opinion at all on what they should do? Because I think it's clear. I, I don't know if you agree with me. They're not trading anybody but Zach if this continues like this, right? That's the only guy in the team I foresee them moving. And maybe another other, you know, end of the bench guy just makes salaries work. But I don't think they're going to move Crusoe. I don't think they're going to move DeRozan. I think they're going to go forward with this team as is and see what they can do in the playoffs. Unless I'm misreading the situation. We'll no, see. I think that's what they're going to do. Are you asking me what they're going to do or what they should do? I've kind of changed a little bit on what they should do. But let me hear what you think they should do. I so we're in agreement what they're going to do. They're going to move Zach, and that's it. Yeah, and I, they Maybe may not like even move the Zach. Player. I wouldn't shock me if they bring Zach back. No, that would be shocking. Well, just based on all the rumors that they can't find anything for him, and you know Zach hasn't burned this to the ground relationship wise, and maybe Zach will come back a little bit humbled. You know, after finding no team wants him. You know, maybe he'll he'll kind of be like, okay. I don't believe that though. I think the Lakers are going to want him. When we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't I don't want to get too hung up down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying, like, I think there's a chance that even Zach comes back. They will just say, like, I it, I'm not saying it's the majority chance, but like based on the rumors of what's available, um, it wouldn't shock me if that happens. I, I agree. The Lakers seem like a pretty reasonable trade destination for him too, especially if they're just willing to take D'Angelo Russell and um, and Rui. 
maybe like a late pick or like whatever. But even just those two guys, I could see them just trading Zach for those two guys and then flipping Russell to a mm-hmm. third team, you know, for like a different set of role players that they need more and then maybe a, a second rounder or something like I could I could see something like that. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Let me just ask you in that situation then. Let's say that that's the only trade out there. Rui and D'Angelo Russell for Zach Levine. Do you make that deal? I think it depends a lot on factors I can't say. Like, so it really depends. Like, could you bring Zach back in? Is he willing to come back? Is the team willing to accept him back after all of this? You know, do you feel you could make that worse? Or is Zach just going to be a pure negative for you on the court? I think if you could rehabilitate Zach and you guys could come to terms where he can come back in and apply his full effort and, you know, change the way he plays into what I call two dribbles Zach Levine, like never takes more than two dribbles, then I think I would bring Zach back, let him rehabilitate his value, and then try again in the summer. I agree. If not, though... I think that's the right direction. If not, though, like, if it's just like... It it could be that this relationship is just burnt. And if that's the case, then you just take that deal. Because, like, it's not going to... It's just going to kill the vibe when he comes back. It's going to hurt. It's actually going to hurt your team to have him back. Like if you don't feel you can reintegrate him, then I think you just take move him for whatever. Even if it's just expirings and you get out of his contract, you move him for whatever. So I, I think that's a, a thing that's hard to say without knowing some of the internals of how that relationship works. Um, to maybe get back to your your previous point though on like what do I think the Bulls should do? I, I'd still I'd move DeRozan. I'd move Caruso. I'd move Vooch if I could. Like, I, I still don't see this team having a ceiling beyond first-round exit. And, you know, like, Vooch, Caruso, and DeMar are going to have less value. I mean, DeMar is going to be a free agent. What are you going to do in the offseason with him? Like, give him a huge deal when he's 35? Like, like, like what are you doing there? Like, this team just doesn't have mm-hmm. runway, and the upside still isn't high enough for me to to say, like, yeah, I want to... I just want to roll with this. Now, it could be that DeMar has no value. Like, at this point, I'd be like, all right, maybe. I don't believe Yeah, that. but, like, say if you could only get a second rounder for DeMar, I'd be like, okay, yeah, keep him. You know, like, like okay, we still don't have huge upside, yeah. But, yeah. but I'd rather watch this team win, you know, 45 games or 43 games and lose in the first round than watch them win 32 games and, like, pick ninth or something. Like, so I'd still rather have that if I'm not going to get anything that meaningfully helps me next year, like I need at least a first rounder or some young player that I feel like we can do something with, or like something we can build towards next year. But otherwise, like it's just, you know, the, the, the things we've been saying for a couple of years now of like, you have this really old core that's kind of driving a lot of the ship. Like you got to move off those guys. If you can get something for them and start building around Kobe and Pat and whatever picks you get in and whatever else you can do. And, like, if you got Rui and, and D'Lo for, for Zach or whatever, like, yeah, okay, maybe now Rui becomes a piece. You could, like, start trying to build that 45-win team around, like, you know, 22, 24, 25, 26-year-olds. You know, have something sustainable that then you can add on to and you have some time where you can you put something together. And so, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to have – I don't think Caruso's value is going to be as high next year. And I don't think he's really going to be a, a guy you want to sign to a new deal when he expires. Like the way he plays, like p- post 30 Caruso strikes me as like probably not going to be a super great player. And he's probably going to cost you a lot more than what he just cost you. So 
you know, from my perspective, mm-hmm. I would I would still try to get younger and see if I can get younger in a way where I feel like I'm still going to be a playoff team, um, but but have pieces where I now have have time to build around them. Bulls are in the last nine games six and three. Demar Derozan's averaging in that period twenty three points, fifty percent shooting, six assists, seven free throw attempts per game. Like his removal from this lineup would be catastrophic for our win loss record. It, I don't think I've ever seen a bull more underappreciated, more disrespected than DeMar DeRozan for his, what he brings in terms of winning and losing to a team. He's, he's been great in the last couple of weeks. And the only area of his game where he's kind of taken a downturn to me has been with the three point shooting where he was shooting close to 35%. He's under in the last nine games, I think he's shooting about 29 now. So that's kind of, you know, unfortunately reverted to his career form. But out of every other aspect of the game, the way he is with the players, his interaction with the players, the team clearly loves him. Everybody you talk to about him in the locker room, uh, how he, his interactions with Billy, his leadership, I love the guy. And I am not for, let's, I think moving him and Caruso will cause a massive downturn for us to what? Go into the lottery in a poor draft, according to all the experts. I don't know. I, I think it's better for some of these young guys that have shown tremendous improvements in Kobe White and Patrick Williams and Io to keep him here now. And even maybe Caruso. And let's just try to rehabilitate Zach's value and move him. I think that's the best kind of end game here. Because I do feel like now with the improvement of Kobe... And, and Patrick, that the ceiling might be a little bit higher than we thought, even for this year. They're not that far out of like six or seven. The Cavs, are they in great shape? Garland's out for a while. Mobley's out for a while. Like, I don't think a lot of these teams I'm looking at in the East are like miles ahead of the Bulls. I just don't. And I don't think it's worth it to just trade these guys for second round picks, late first rounders, and then go back into tank mode lose confidence. I think it's better for us to be a competitive team. I've, I've just kind of changed my tune on it. I, it's a tough call because I do understand like what is the value in being 10 and 9 or uh, or 10th seed, 9th seed in the play-in, 8th seed, 7th seed. Well, when you got guys like Kobe and Patrick showing so, so much improvement, maybe there is value in getting in these playoffs and seeing what they can do next year. You know, So it, it's a really tough decision now, much more so than I thought even a few weeks ago. And I think I sense by your comments, you're kind of moving in that direction too. Like, is it Doug, be honest with me. Would you rather see him finish with the seven seed this year or in the lottery again, late lottery? I mean, I, I, I just told you I'd rather see them finish with the seven seed. I mean, like I would rather do that. How about playing? So generally speaking, I would rather have them have as most wins as possible. Let me just state it that way. Unless okay. you're going to miss the playoffs, you know, I'd rather just have as many wins as possible. So however, however you want to yeah. you know, look at that, like win games, like it, it's like you said, it's not a great draft. You're not going to get a great pick in it either way, but let me throw a different mm-hmm. scenario out there for you, Fred. Let's say we move Zach for D'Lo and Rui. And I want to say, I think, I think Russell's expiring this year. Is that correct? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But uh, no, he's got a player option. Okay, for next let's say year, let's but... say we flip them Russell for an expiring deal. Okay, so we just add Rui's salary onto the team. 
Or let's just say we trade Zach to some other team for just flat expirings and like maybe a late first rounder or something just to make it look good, you know, whatever. Just flat expirings, no value. We could go into next offseason, and then we'll just say we run it back. We'd make no other trade. We just move Zach for expirings. We could go into next offseason with an insane amount of cap space with Zach and um, DeMar coming off the books. And if we're granted medical retirement on Lonzo, like mm-hmm. that could be basically $85 million of salary that gets wiped off the books. And it would give you then a good chance hmm. to like rebuild the team. So, like, part of this might be that, you know, like, if you don't think you can... So, I like the idea of re- rehabilitating Zach in theory. I just don't know in practice if it's a good thought. And if you can get so far under the cap that all of a sudden you now have room to just do interesting things, maybe that is preferable. So... I just think, though, Zach's the kind of guy that you could pull this off. Yeah, with. that's why I said it's just unknowable. Don't you get It's that? unknowable. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying it's unknowable. Like, the, the team knows. They know how Zach feels. Like, they have some real idea and insight into this. You and I, we just have no way to know for sure. Like, I'd like to think you could bring Zach back and, and he would be humbled and come back in and do what you want to do. But, like, do I know that for sure? No. And if you say you do, like, I mean, to be honest, you're lying. You don't, like, we, we have no way to know that. We just don't. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, it, it's, like, reasonable. I think it's the right thing to do if you feel that Zach is on board with it and if the rest of the team is on board with it. Then it's the right thing to do. It just, mm-hmm. It's hard to know if that's like an actual true statement or not. It hasn't exactly been a murderer's row of scheduling lately when you consider, you know, the 76ers without Embiid. The, the, we lost to the Pacers. We beat the Hawks, who were in a quasi-free fall. Lost to the Cavs. We beat the Spurs. We beat the Lakers, which was a good win. Uh, and then we beat the 76ers. But if you look at our schedule coming up, I think a lot of this is going to be solved about how we do in the next seven games, right? Let's look at our schedule coming up. You going to predict 0-7? <laughs> I'm not going to predict <laughs> I'm just sketching, you know, last time. I'm done with <laughs> that. Last time, you know, you were... I thought the last time we predicted 2-2 two and two together, like the next four games, and I think they went 3-1. and No, one. I mean, or we may be, right but I remember that. you still predicted they were going to lose oh, yeah, the yeah, next yeah. two. You, 0 and 6 You were like, they're going to yeah. be 1-6, and six, and I said, and they won both of them. And then I had said, like, I think they'll win one of the two. You know, so they, they, they've, been, they've been playing even better than our expectations. All right. Next, Absolutely. Next six games. Let's look. Or, uh, however, right, here's yeah, the next yeah. six games. At 76ers, I don't know if Embiid's going to be back. Regardless, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, the game they could win, absolutely, if Embiid's gone. At Knicks. Then they get the Hornets at home. That should be a win. Then they go at the Hornets. That should be a win. Then they play the Rockets at home. Another likely win. Then they get the Warriors. Why, the why are the Rockets a likely win? Well, I, I don't know. I, they don't, just don't strike fear in me. What's the record 15 right and now? 15. It's got to be 500. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. you just think, well, like, we are 15 and 19. You're just throwing out anyone whose average is likely wins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, but at home, we're better We're, we're better than 500 right. at home. Okay, we? all I'm saying is, like, I don't think the Rockets are a gimme. Pretty like, good team. They're not, like, you can't look at all them right, as, okay. like, last. Like, I'm not saying we can't beat the Rockets. Clearly, we can. We can win that game. It's a, But, you know, like, I, it's a, maybe a little bit closer to a toss-up game to me. Um, the Rockets have lost three in a row, though, just kind of glancing at them real quick. I don't know. I don't, whatever. I'm not following the Rockets. I don't know if they're missing someone or... 
if someone's you know hurt or if they're I, just playing. I'm just better. saying, Doug. I'm not going to lose any sleep about the. I'm not losing sp- sleep uh, over the Rockets. Rockets either. I'm just saying, like, like they're not. It's not <laughs> like they're saying, going up against. I like the our Pistons, chances. That's all. Like, like I agree. Like the like the Hornets are like, yeah, we should win that game. Like both those games. Like the Rockets, it's going to be like a yeah, okay, maybe we got an edge. Like, but it's not like in the bag. It's a sixty forty, not a not a ninety ten. That's all. Just looking at the month of January, we play the the Hornets three times. We play the all right. So back to the Rockets at home on the tenth. Warriors at home at Spurs at Cleveland at Raptors. Grizzlies at home at Suns at Lakers at Trailblazers. Raptors at home. Hornets at the Hornets. It's not a. It's not really to me. That's not a, a very difficult schedule. Would you concur? We don't play the Celtics. We don't play. I, I think this is now looking at this. This might be a good time to bring Zach back in, rehabilitate him, his trade value, and move him by the trade deadline. This is the month to do that. After looking at it, hopefully he can come back for the Hornets games, both of those, which we should win. Then we'll beat the Rockets at home, and then maybe the Warriors at home, and then we get the Spurs. After those five games, you could win five in a row, and then you could rehabilitate his value. Would say, I kinda, you, are you on board with my plan? Um, I mean, like one, it just assumes Zach could go right now, and I don't know that that's actually true. Um, <laughs> like, I think you. Okay, I, I, I'm assuming he'll. Be I don't. Playing. I don't know that that's true. So that's all I'm saying. Like, um, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Okay. I throw this out there. Look, actually, just kind of glancing at the schedule the rest of the year. It's really not that intimidating. Like we, I think we we played no. like a lot of, a lot of the good good teams. Like and, and maybe it's just the parity of the league. There's not like tons of dominant teams out there. So like you got a shot in every game. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I don't. How did we make it this far? And we didn't discuss the New York Knicks trade. I, that's what I was just about to go to as we we're about ready to pull. In we the do got the Knicks in like so. In, let me in, let me uh, two games. So it's even more relevant for us. Well, let me let me throw this out. Toronto Raptors are finalizing oh, have finalized a trade to send OG Ananobi to New York Knicks for RJ Barrett quickly and draft considerations. Is that the is that the draft in general? I, I'm yeah, not sure. I, the, the, the trade in general. Yeah, I don't even is think there, there was much worth talking no, about. No, I don't even. I think the draft considerations were maybe like second rounder, like or something. Like I don't think it was. Um, I didn't. I didn't even realize this well, was picking up there. What's your take on it? Do you like it? I, I thought it was interesting only because it's like really struck me as like these are two teams that traded contractual situations they didn't want to deal with for each other. Like, you know, it's like I don't know how Ananobi fits next to Julius Randle. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a super great fit, but maybe the Knicks were like, yeah, RJ Barrett, we just don't want his deal, so we'll dump it. Like, I don't think like RJ Barrett's like a bad deal. Like, he's kind of like Zach Levine. Like, yeah, I can I can squint and see why he makes that much money, but I'm not like amped about it either. And then quickly is you know the Knicks couldn't come to a contract with him in the offseason, a contract extension, and you know he doesn't want to be a backup to Brunson, and so like that's just like a weird roster fit for them. And I think the Raptors look like look at uh, OG and Anobi and think like we don't want to max this guy next year, and we just watched them Vliet and uh, Lowry walk out the door for like nothing and uh, maybe we should just get something for him and so I think it was just two teams trading for situations that were difficult for them for someone else's difficult situation that might be easier for them 
Like maybe the Knicks look at Ananobi and say, yeah, we'll pay the guy what he wants. And the Raptors say like, yeah, we can use a point guard like quickly. We can pay him more than the Knicks could. So this, this works for us. And Barrett's another young player. So I think it was a, a move that actually like, I don't think it's a great move for either team, but I think it's a, I think it's a fine move for both teams. Agreed. I felt the same way. I actually kind of, um, I always thought Ananobi, like he's not always healthy. I always kind of felt like he was kind of like Zach Levine in a way, on the, with a stronger, clearly much better defensive side of the ball. You know, like Zach's way more offensive focus. Anobi's more uh, defensive. Anobi's don't get me wrong; he's a better all around player than Zach Levine. But yeah, I, I never felt like he was like a dominant offensive player or anywhere near that. Maybe I'm just reading the situation wrong. Maybe it's the situation that he had in Toronto. I always kind of felt like he was slightly overrated with his offensive abilities. But, you know, that said, if you look at the Knicks next year, next year, Brunson at point guard, Anobi at shooting a small forward, Randall at power forward, Robinson at center, they still have a hole at that two position. And I don't know what they could potentially do to get a, a you know, shooting guard in there. But it will be interesting to see. Maybe Zach Levine. But, I mean, obviously with the contract situation, it's going to cause a – Tremendous amount of movement moving there, and it'd be, that team could get pretty ex- expensive. But uh, yeah, very interesting trade. And I, I had stated that I thought that was a package that maybe earlier you could have got for Zach Levine. Do you feel like that was a, ever a possibility when he was playing at a high level down the end of the last season? Maybe in the off season they could have got something. In a they bag. definitely could have Both gotten or- Barrett quickly. I mean, I think the rumor was Barrett quickly and like two first rounders, or maybe it was Barrett Toppin and two first rounders for Zach. And they were like heavily protected, shitty first rounders. Um, just to be clear, and whatever it is, that's going to be way more than we actually get for Zach Levine if we trade him this year. So like. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. You know, it's just this is what it is, you know. And I know there's all all those issues too with the agencies, where obviously the Knicks and Clutch aren't the best of friends. Uh, so you know, who knows? Who knows what the situation was there? But uh, interesting trade. I still think it's probably going to, in the long run, going to be better for the Raptors. But we shall see. Because I, I I do like uh, quickly a lot. I think he's going to be a fine player for oh. them. All of these Anyhow. things come down to the difficulty of really good but not elite players and how you pay them. You know, and it's like a situation we may get into with Pat Williams, and I know you have to go, so I'm going to be real quick about it. With a guy like Pat who has a high floor and is going to be, looks like a good player now, it's like if Pat signs for $15 million, you're super amped about it. But if someone goes nuts and pays him $33 million, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, now he's super expensive and he sucks. And like you already see that with Zach Levine, like to a really big extent, like if Zach Levine was making 20 million a year, no one would be complaining about Zach Levine, you know? And so these contracts for guys, yeah. you know, that are in this range of like, eye of the beholder deals make a huge difference. And so quickly and Anobi, like, I think they're both good players and whether they become good players in the minds of people will be based on how much they're paid. Like quickly on like twenty million will be viewed a lot different than quickly on thirty million, and same with like Ananobi. So, you know, it's like it's tough when you got players kind of in that range, which is why I said that both teams are moving away from difficult contractual situations. Um, and and the guy who signs the better contract is probably going to be the guy who ends up feeling like a a better win for his team. Yeah. All right, DT. 
as we bring it in, I want to say Happy New Year to you, my friend. Uh, I really enjoyed 2023 doing all these shows with you, and thanks to all the listeners who take the time to listen to what we have to say. I'm always shocked and um, grateful for all the listeners that we have, and those numbers continue to grow. Give us a positive review wherever. I think that's supposed to help. Even I hear all the other podcasts say it. I have no <laughs> idea how, but go ahead and do it. <laughs> Let's bring the bus in, and uh, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.